0: The CU 2.0 podcast. Are you optimistic about your institution's future? I am. Why? Why? And many people mm-hmm. look at credit unions your size and they say they're all going away. I've talked to many of consultants who say credit unions under a billion uh-huh. are walking around with a death notice on their backs.
1: Well, there's no doubt. Everybody, If everybody's not aware that we have to continue to grow to be relevant, okay. if if we're not aware of that, we're we're kidding ourselves. So I am optimistic. I do believe that we will grow this organization. I I do know that the majority of the credit unions today are below 100 million, yes. and I think um, that's probably you know that's probably the real concern is the the how do they survive, and um, you know I gotta believe that there's going to be some con- consolidation coming in the credit union. Uh, there an immense
0: consolidation Already. in the last 10 years. I believe the number of credit unions will go down by 50% in the next 10 years.
1: Yes, I would uh, think so, too. You know, just in today's environment, I'm not sure. I mean, I have, a, I have a huge amount of respect for anybody that's running a small credit union because the number of hats that they have to wear and the number of rules and regulations that they have to adhere to has to be mind-boggling because it is for us. It's hard for us. But I do agree with you. I think that if we don't recognize that we have to grow and that we have to stay relevant, um, it'll be hard.
0: Can small credit unions survive? Carla Beans is the CEO of Partners First Credit Union in Fort Wayne, Indiana, an institution that grew out of Magnavox. If you're of a certain age, you certainly remember the Magnavox brand. Carla has been working there since she graduated from college. She's now CEO. She has keen insights into the plight of smaller credit unions and what they need to do to survive and prosper. Partners First, by the way, now is approaching $400 million in assets after multiple mergers. It also has 24 branches in seven states. It's a mid sized institution, but it's also a complex institution with all those moving parts. One reality Beans accepts to stay relevant, Partners First has to continue to grow. Another reality, it needs to get a lot of help from fintechs. But the good news is that the right fintechs level the playing field for smaller credit unions. Along the way, she explains why she's now exploring getting CDFI status for her institution. Hasn't decided if she will, but she's looking at it. And she ponders the existential question, how can credit unions with under $100 million in assets survive? She's exceptionally candid in this podcast. She's soft-spoken, thoughtful, listen and learn. This is Robert McGarvey, the CU2.0 podcast host. You know who the guest is.
1: I've been with uh, Partners First um, my entire career.
0: And is that a, the
1: old Magnavox?
0: It is.
1: Not everybody knows that. It started out as Magnavox Government Employees Credit Unit in 1952. February 29th, we're a leap year credit union. <laughs> that's, that's an
0: unusual claim to fame. People <laughs> <laughs> can only celebrate every few years. <laughs> so, you have roughly 300 billion in assets, and I, I believe the topic we're supposed to talk about here today is actually interesting. interesting heck of a lot of work with fintechs. Okay. And so, fintechs are kind of your lifeline. I'm guessing, because I'm guessing you don't have a lot of internal expertise in technology.
1: We do. And very few
0: credit unions under a couple of.
1: Right, do. right. We're an in-house uh, credit union with no real uh, ability to do any of our own programming. So yeah, we depend on third parties. Um,
0: how does that work? How do you get results that you want?
1: Well, I think the most important thing we have to do is listen to our employees to know what we need. And then we have to find the right partner. Um, we do have quite a bit with Finastra, right. and um, so it's pretty easy to look there first. But you know, you have to look at everything that's a, that's available to you, and then it has to be something that you can uh, you can take on as an organization, whether it be what it takes to implement or what it takes financially. Um, so Absolutely.
0: I assume most of it is pretty much plug and play. But oh. I, what I mean is they give you something to oh. put it in. You don't need to put like two people I gotcha. on it. Well, uh, the,
1: best, the best software that you're going to get is something that comes with choices. So you do put a few people on it to right. decide how you're going to roll it out within your organization. I would not like true plug and play. I want uh, software that gives us the ability to say, you know, we have to set our own controls, set our own workflows, or whatever. Right. So to the extent we can, uh, we don't want it to be totally plug and play. Sure, right? no, I, I understand. I a critique okay. Take
0: of some of the leading mm-hmm. mobile banking apps a few years ago, for instance. Was mm-hmm. that they were pretty much came out of the box, and it was taken away. Okay. No. And, uh, Whereas the Malazai product always had a
1: degree of customization built into it. Okay. Mhm. I think most of us want to be able to put our own signature on software that that we have to use our third parties to get.
0: What finestra products do
1: you need to use? Well, we're currently in Ultra Data for core, right? And so we have the Ultra Data core and the lending system. Um, we have. Uh, we are right in the middle of implementing their mortgage bot and the servicing director, which interfaces with UltraData. We utilize Touché, and right now we are um, helping them Alpha Site or Alpha, the uh, new digital front office. So, and that and that's pretty exciting to us because it it actually changes the whole landscape as far as what we can do as far as. Uh, Employees and opening accounts. Our online transactions are growing exponentially every year, um, and of course, that's what we would like to see. Um, but we, we also have 24 branches across the country, so we want it to be, as they were talking about yesterday, um, we want it to be, you know, digital and branch, um, mm-hmm. not, not taking away the, the uh, people side of it. But I think most of us recognize that even though we drive people to the digital um, platform, people still want to have that ability to come in and visit. The only reason I say that is um, our structure over the years has been branching, and we've had many, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating when I say 50, 60 branches all across the country. The old credit union um, implant with a, an employer uh, model that we had. So when we've left, you know, unless people are very tied to digital, and even then, it's hard to maintain that primary account when they have to, uh, when they don't have a, a branch close by, I think. The, n- the younger generation can, but...
0: I have an old guy. My pretty in my primary financial institution. Nearest branch is 2,300 miles from where I live. There you go. you and I haven't set foot in one in six seven years.
1: Okay, because your credit union is giving you everything you need, uh, pretty digitally. Much, pretty much. And if, and I if a, you can't, you pick up the phone.
0: Actually, if I have a problem, I go put money in Chase and then transfer <sighs> to the credit
1: union. But that's what your credit union doesn't want you to do. They don't want you to have that Chase account. No, I'm keeping that,
0: too. <laughs> and if for nothing else, i like to see what they're doing because mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty good at what they do. So in, in over the years, did you have problems dealing with fintechs? I'm like, not going to ask you to name names.
1: No, no. But, you know, I think the traditional structure, cores and such, and different uh, vendors is is very difficult for inter, inter integrating and interfacing. So you end up yes. either tied to what you have available or you waited quite a while for, for integration and um, you know I get that the cores have a hard time being everything to everyone so that every, everybody can um, so they can you can utilize other um, processes but I think that's the, that's the that was always the hard part is you want to do something you go okay wait a minute before we go there will it interface can we do it and that and that's been the challenge So that's why, honestly, everything I'm hearing today is pretty exciting.
0: Like what?
1: Just the ability to utilize different uh, products, different applications very quickly and not have to wait for the long time um, for an interface or an integration, Um, what they were talking about today about how quickly things can be uh, put into place is pretty exciting. And I think it, somebody said it today on the panel that I was on, it it evens the playing field a little bit for credit unions and community credit unions. I I do believe that, you know, we don't have deep pockets. So when we can partner with somebody who can open up uh, the systems and allow us to do things uh, we want to do very quickly and easily, it definitely helps us maybe level the playing field a little bit.
0: Oh, it does. I think think FinTechs are basically a lifeline for many credit unions. And very, very few credit unions can honestly go out and hire a really competent data scientist. There's just only that many of them. Mm -hmm. But it'd be nice to have data scientist intelligence that you could tap into. Mm -hmm. And a larger institution can afford to hire that person or three Mm -hmm. people like that. And if you could tap into it, that gives you a lot of resources that are available. And you're not going to, um, as I say, you just can't create a bunch of that stuff internally. So the core was the major friction point. I mean, the, the basic, the, the, the old core company philosophy was, we'll give you this thing, basically, mm-hmm. or close to it. Mm-hmm. Anytime any time you needed something, there was, was a charge.
1: Well, I, I mean... I I mean you had you had
0: to buy it from yeah. that. You absolutely had
1: to. Well, if you didn't, it, it took a little longer. It, it took forever, it took in some forever. cases. Yeah. And in
0: some cases, you had to, to, to pray to God to get middleware delivered to you because mm-hmm. it wasn't available, mm-hmm. and the middleware cost a ton.
1: So we've been fortunate over the years. We've um, done very well um, with this, the products and services we've had, but times are changing, and they're changing rapidly. So it, it makes a difference, the fact that they're opening up um, the systems. It, it makes a real big difference. So what are you trying to do rapidly? What uh, in the old days when you were thinking? <laughs> when you say? Rapidly in the in the past, whenever you wanted to do anything, it it wasn't rapid because of the integration. So when I say rapidly, I'm I'm talking. You know, I guess I'm not talking the two weeks that they were talking about because I haven't experienced it. But to be able to say, yeah, I like this product and I and I want to integrate it in maybe in the next six months or whatever or in my time frame, uh, as opposed yeah. to what somebody else's. Um, It's not easy to move the organization when you have limited, when I talk limited resources, I'm not always talking about financial resources. You know, we only have a certain amount of people also. Again, the size of the organization keeps you a little bit limited so that you have to have the people to implement the process and you have to do it right the first time because you never get a second chance to do it right the first time. So I think some of it is just our size um, makes it a little more difficult to be as nimble as we want to be.
0: Do you
1: wish you could grow bigger? Absolutely.
0: Do you have a plan?
1: We do. I mean, we we are looking to do uh, growth from both organically and through uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, I think we've we've already knew back that we had a recent uh, merger, good size merger for us. I mean, it, it was a third of our size, brought us to just under four hundred million, and. We already learned from that just the economies of scale and some of the things that you can do just from size. And you, don't wanna, you don't want size for the sake of size. You have to grow for the right reasons. But um, when you get that growth, when you can get that flywheel or that trajectory going, um, I think it helps the whole organization. It gives you a little more freedom, a little more breathing room, more opportunities. And again, you have the opportunity to, to build on that staff see, see the, re, the positive results.
0: Is there any technology which you wish you had that you don't? Yeah. <laughs> <double>? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, right now we are looking at, you know, uh, a more robust account origination. Um, that's probably primary on our list, account, new account and lending origination. Um, the other thing that we have to work on and, and we are in the middle of is infrastructure, making sure that we have have the size of our servers and our firewalls and everything in place. So, you know, like you say, everything has a a price tag and uh, right truly because of the growth we've recently had, we are working on our infrastructure, making sure that we have enough capacity to do the things we want to do, make sure we have the the, uh, security in place. And then one of our primary uh, goals is. this is to look at a good uh, robust origination
0: that I say is a pain point for Mm -hmm. most credit unions that are paying attention Mm -hmm. I opened a new account with a credit union a billion dollar credit union down the street from me in Phoenix a couple of years ago I couldn't do it I actually had Mm -hmm. to go into the branch Mm -hmm. I thought this was crazy it is Um.
1: but it's not easy you know Um, when you're on this end to get it I was I was, I was, I was, this doesn't make any sense
0: mm-hmm. in 2017 or whatever year it was. I mean, why, why can't I do this?
1: And the thing mm-hmm. we know is if you have to do too many clicks, the abandonment rate is pretty high. Yeah. And you, you have to make it easy and you have to make it convenient. And, and if, yeah, if, you, if you delay the, the process too much, everybody says, yeah, not today, not now. Right,
0: and they plan to go back to it, but usually they forget to go back mm-hmm. to it. Do you do a lot of car loans? Or is there some sort yeah. of business that you do?
1: Yeah, we are cons- you know, we're more consumer. Our, ours, we have a, a, a large direct and indirect um, lending mm-hmm. uh, portfolio. We also um, have a good-sized mortgage portfolio. Oh, really? Yeah, we both origin- originate for portfolio and sales. Uh, a good size for us you know I, I guess when I say good size I think in terms of ourselves <laughs> we are at the beginning stage of business lending we, we, we've had it for a few years but we, we you know that's that one's been a little bit harder to take a consumer focused credit union and mm-hmm. and get the expertise and the knowledge to do the, the business lending side but that's where we're we're tackling that
0: do you um, sell your mortgages or keep them both yeah with the mm-hmm. rates say it's Yeah, the old the old credit union executive philosophy was that you took money in, you paid X percent, you lent it out two X, and you lived on the difference. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting harder (laughs) and harder.
1: Oh, the the squeeze on the interest margin is is no fun. Do you have other ways to make money? Most credit unions will it will either do it through interest income or through. Fees and gains and sales, you know, gains on the sale of mortgages and such. I mean, the non-interest income side of the organization is has had to be strong in the last couple of years, just because the the interest um, rate environment and the mortgage or the margins are so narrow. Right, and
0: I totally understand that it's very tempting to sell the, mortgage. the day you originated at the rates today. how long will that last? It's mm-hmm. Now, how
1: good is the economy where you um, Right now, Fort Wayne is doing well, but pro- and actually, in, our, in almost all of our areas, it's doing well. One of the interesting things about our credit union is we have 24 branches, and they're in seven different states. So we have different economies that um, we we have to keep an eye on. Fort Wayne is doing very well. Uh, we have I- Indiana, Ohio. Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, and we have a small location in, in uh, Atlanta.
0: Some of those are fairly challenging,
1: economies. Of Kentucky. Uh, the Kentucky, the the Kentucky the, the t- Kentucky branches are um, they're in our field of membership through what's called a CDFI or low right. income designation. So it, it's uh, as as you would expect, more challenging, and and that gives us the opportunity to maybe do a little bit more in educating. But yeah challenging. And West Virginia, we're in a very small community in West Virginia also.
0: Now, do you have a CDFI designation?
1: We are not a CDFI credit union, but we have CDFI communities in our right. field of membership. Right. No, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't
0: think it would be with your history,
1: but... So. it is. I have, I actually, it's on our list this year, too, now that we've integrated the, the uh, general credit union in to analyze the... Uh, Build our current membership to see whether we would qualify for a, for a low-income designation. We'll see. Uh, it's something that we're looking into. But, no, we add we add the communities because we are a multiple common bond credit union, seg base, and in order to get community, we have to um, work through the low-income areas, the CDFI areas. And that would be the advantage to you pursuing that? Well, the advantage to pursuing the... Um, the CDFI areas is to create a community as opposed to a company by company right, by right, company. Right, right. Um, as far as the low income designation, no, I think you know what's intrigued us a little bit is some of the freedoms that might come with that, as far as. Um, the ability to raise secondary capital right. or to 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 take on non-member deposits for liquidity. You know, if your if your plan is for growth and you and you're looking at perhaps mergers or acquisitions or anything like that, I think what I had asked our team to do is look into it to see whether or not it was something we needed to leverage for our future growth plans, so that we had um, options. Yeah, I think the
0: major plus is the ability to take non-member deposits. deposits.
1: To and yeah.
0: But you need a plan for getting those non-member deposits. Right. I mean, I've talked to some of the very successful CDFI institutions, but they're really good at going out and
1: getting those deposits. So and I, 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 yeah, I, I understand that. I've tasked our task CFO to look into it and to make sure they understand and see whether it was something that we would like to pr- pursue. No. And then there's also the grants and things that come with the, the um, low-income designation, if you can qualify for grants. I mean, we've got enough low-income areas that it would be nice to have the opportunity with a grant to um, give back to the communities.
0: I've seen data that says the CDFI credit unions in many cases outperform traditional credit unions on economic metrics to okay. more successful mm-hmm. financial institutions, which seems counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Kind of and I'm certainly no expert on analyzing the data, but it's read it and say, huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Who would have thought? Yeah. And you also get the feel you're doing that credit union thing about, about you're, helping you're, people. You're living
1: it. your your purpose or your mission, right? Helping yes. people. Help helping people. All right.
0: Well, the, the origin of the Magnabox credit union, I imagine, was basically To provide a financial institution to factory workers, probably. It was. was the senior executive. It was
1: the people making TV sets. Exactly. Seven members of the, Um. uh, seven members, employees of Magnavox came together and and started a credit union in 1952. But when credit unions were embedded in the plant, when they that when they were part of the plant, the they they really were, and our branches were too. We were part of that plant. They yes. were part of this the whole credit union, but they were part of that plant, and they knew everybody, and they knew, you know, what was going on. So the you know, yeah, that that character was already built just by their relationship inside the plant.
0: Yeah. Now, are you? Are you optimistic about your institution's future? I am. Why? Why? And many people have been union's your size and they say they're all going away. I've talked to many consultants who say credit unions that a billion uh-huh. are walking around with death notice on their
1: backs. Well, there's no doubt. Everybody, If everybody's not aware that we have to continue to grow to be relevant, if, if, if we're not aware of that, we're... We're kidding ourselves. So I am optimistic. I do believe that we will grow this organization. I I do know that the majority of the credit unions today are below 100 million, yes. and I think um, that's probably you know that's probably the real concern is the the how do they survive, and um, you know I gotta believe that there's going to be some con- consolidation coming in the credit union. Um, there's immense consolidation already.
0: In the last Ten years I believe
1: the number of credit unions will go down by 50% in the next 10 years. Yes, I would think so too. You know, just in today's environment, I'm not sure. I mean, I have a a huge amount of respect for anybody that's running a small credit union because the number of hats that they have to wear and the number of rules and regulations that they have to adhere to has to be mind-boggling because it is for us. It's hard for us. But I do agree with you. I think that if we don't recognize that we have to grow and that we have to stay relevant, Um, It'll be hard. I guess if I was to say anything about credit unions, maybe 500 million or whatever, maybe it is a billion today. The one thing that we, okay, so I've been—I will have to admit this—I've been with my credit union since 1981, straight out of college. It is part of my entire fiber, my entire being. Uh, uh, I—I'm totally uh, committed. I'm kind of crazy about this credit union, so um, it's easy for me to talk about it. And I think the thing that makes me most proud is the uh, the culture that uh, we have, and I think a lot of credit unions have, where you know we're we're people that have a can-do attitude. And I think I was saying it today, you know, it's. Um, Know, be innovative. Don't don't answer questions, solve problems, and figure out ways to do it. And I think we've gotten good at that over time because we've always had to do more with less. And it teaches us to um, not just say, "Oh, well, I can't afford to do that." It says, "Okay, if I can't afford to do that, how will I do it?" So I I I, I I'm proud of credit unions because they um, to figure out a way. I mean,
0: i not work with credit unions because better
1: way to do financial services. Cool. We think so too.
0: Before we go, think hard about how you can help support this podcast so we can do more interviews with more thoughtful leaders in the credit union world. What we're trying to figure out here in these podcasts is what's next for credit unions. What can they do to really, really, really make a difference in the financial scene? can't all be mega banks can it it's my hope it won't all be mega banks it'll always be a place for credit unions that's what we're discussing here so figure out how you can help get in touch with me this is R J McGarvey at gmail.com robert mcgarvey again that's McGarvey at gmail.com get in touch we'll figure out a way that you can help we need your support we want your support we thank you for your support the cu2.0 podcast